Welcome back, Miss Hero family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how the kingdom of God is still growing and how Jesus is inviting more and more people to become part of the kingdom. The judgment will come at his return. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. Well, hey, good morning, Missio family. We're glad that you're with us today. Everybody doing all right? I hate to tell you, but summer is kind of winding down. I want to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, August is like here. And so uh, we do have some things to look forward to this month. We have one more summer nights in the park coming up. We have baptisms. If you're interested in baptism, I'd love to visit with you about that on the 27th, 20th, 27th. What day was it? 27th. We're going to have baptisms at McDowell Dam. And we're going to have the grill out there. It's going to be a great time. And so uh, we will have a, a plan B if weather you know, keeps us from being there, but hopefully we can be out there. And so we're, we're in a series today called Kingdom Life. We've been in this for a little while now. And the whole point of this series is looking at what did Jesus have to say about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? He used those terms interchangeably, and he had a lot to say about the kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here, and he came announcing the kingdom, and people had all kinds of expectations about what that looked like. And so one of the questions I get asked all the time, in fact, a couple weeks ago I was asked this question, because people know I'm a pastor, they say, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there evil in the world? Why do bad things happen? And that's a question, it's a fair question that humans have been asking for a long time. They were asking Jesus the same thing. But what I realized, the guy that asked me this question, he did want a theological answer. He wanted to know why there's evil in the world, but he also wanted to know that God loves him and that the person standing in front of him actually had empathy for what he was dealing with. And so I gave him the answer, which is a simple answer that sin is in the world, the world is broken, and all isn't as it should be for now. And it's a very simplistic answer, but Jesus had to teach the very same thing to his audience so many years ago. See, he told people that the kingdom was here, and again, we had expectations that Jesus was going to overthrow Rome, Jesus was going to take over, set up his earthly kingdom. He said, it's not like that. My kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. You can't see it. It dwells in the hearts of people. And so Jesus had to kind of manage some of those expectations And he had to help people understand that what he came to do was to heal people's hearts. It's a spiritual kingdom. And so the question that people ask is, if the kingdom of God has arrived, why has it not triumphed over evil more clearly? And if Jesus is the one announcing it, why is there not more of a positive response? And so Jesus knew that he was dealing with these kinds of questions that his audience wanted to know okay, Jesus, I can get on board with the spiritual kingdom. You're here. You're saying it's at hand. So why are there still all these evildoers? Why is there still all this bad stuff happening around us? And Jesus addresses it. So Jesus spoke in parables. He taught people what the kingdom was like by using examples that they would understand. And so we're going to go to Matthew 13 today, and we're going to read about the parable of the weeds Or some translations will call them the tares among the wheat, but it's the weeds among the wheat. 
So verse 24, 13 verse 24. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And so when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds and first bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And so Jesus used this example of agriculture, something that they would understand, to teach a spiritual lesson. And many times we read a parable and then we kind of interpret what it says. But what I love about this parable is Jesus actually spells it out. There's no guessing in this parable what Jesus meant. He, he tells his disciples, he pulls them aside. So if we jump down to verse 36, he gives the explanation. This is what it says. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I mentioned that Jesus liked to teach in parables. He liked to use examples, stories of things that people would understand. And these weren't just riddles. Jesus wasn't just a riddler. Like he was sharing these stories because they have uh, spiritual implications or spiritual truth tied up in them. And so he shares this story of the wheat and the weeds. And he knows that not everybody's going to listen. Not everybody wants to hear what he has to say. Jesus had the scribes and the Pharisees always hanging out, trying to, you know, take notes. Oh, he said that, and he did this, and that's wrong. And they're trying to prove him as a false teacher so they could get rid of him. Jesus was a threat to their power. He was a threat to their establishment. And so Jesus knew that there were always going to be people in his audience that didn't want to hear what he had to say, didn't want to listen to his teaching. But that's why he would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has eyes to see, let him see and understand. And so Jesus actually said in Matthew 13, for this people's heart has grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear. For their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. So Jesus' desire is to heal the broken people, people who understand their need for him. He says, I want to heal your heart, but if your eyes are shut, if your ears are closed, 
you can't hear what I have to say. You can't receive what I'm trying to give you. Jesus dealt with that in his audience. And so let's get at the question, why do bad things happen in this world? Why is there evil? See, there's a presence of evil in our world. And again, he knew that people had expectations that because Jesus was there and he was announcing his kingdom, that Jesus would just come in and clean house. Come on, Jesus, your kingdom's here. Let's just get rid of all the bad people, right? And maybe some of us are like, yeah, let's just get rid of the bad people. And that's what so many people question him. They say, well, if your kingdom's here, why does evil persist? If you're the, if you're the king and your kingdom's better, then why does evil still go on? And Jesus used this example from the parable. There's some characters in the story. He talks about the sower. And Jesus identified, he said, I'm the sower. The son of man is the sower of the field. But then there's an enemy. And the enemy is Satan. And Satan goes out and spreads weeds among Jesus' field, which Jesus has planted with crops. By the way, what a dirtbag thing to do, right? Like, have you ever planted grass? Anyone ever planted a lawn in your, in your yard or a garden, maybe? And you, you go through all that work and you, you know, I, I remember when we see, see the grass in our yard at a couple different houses we've had, you put it out there, you put the seed out, and you water it religiously, and you put the little string around it and the cones and try to keep all the neighborhood kids and the dogs off of it, right, so it'll grow up, and you just, you're watching, and every day a little more grass is popping out of there, oh. And can you imagine your neighbor coming over in the middle of the night, throwing a bunch of weeds, throwing a bunch of thistle and creeping jenny and, you know, whatever other quack grass in there, and like, how ticked you'd be at that? What a dirtbag thing to do. And that's what Jesus said happens in the story. He plants the field, and along comes the enemy in the middle of the night and tries to ruin it, tries to wreck it. See, Satan has been permitted by God to carry out some things. He's still active in our world. And I think to understand why the presence of evil is still here, we have to understand that there is opposition to the kingdom of God. We talked a lot about this last week with two kingdoms at war. There's the kingdom of God, right? His, his kingdom of light and life and truth and righteousness and peace and all these good things. But then you have the kingdom of darkness, trying to undermine and take away from what God is doing. Verse 27 says, And the servants of the master of the house came to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. And so we have to understand the big picture that it's not just Jesus is here with his kingdom, that's true, but there's also another kingdom at work, at war with Jesus' kingdom. There's an enemy spreading weeds in the lawn at night. And so because there are two kingdoms at war with each other, and there's still a battle going on, that's why there's still evil in the world. And so we live in the kingdom now, and we wait for final judgment but it hasn't happened yet. We still live in the tension of like waiting for the judgment to happen. And so the evil persists in the world. And so Jesus' point is that there are people doing evil in the midst of God's kingdom. There are evildoers still trying to accomplish Satan's agenda, and they may not even realize it. There's only two teams. We talked about that last week. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There's no middle ground. If you're not in the kingdom of light, you're in the kingdom of darkness. You may not even know it. 
But Satan has got you doing things for his agenda. So the thing about the, the, the battle of these two kingdoms is there's opposition. And opposition isn't all bad. I know we get frustrated if you're a part of the church and you want to see Jesus' mission fulfilled. We can get pretty torqued off that Satan is messing with us. But opposition isn't all bad, and here's why. Because the kingdom of God expands even under opposition. Even when there's pressure, the kingdom of God still expands. It's like this a little bit in business. Um, If there's one burger joint in town, and they're the only people selling burgers, they don't have to make a very good burger, do they? They just, here it is, and somebody's going to go buy it because it's the only place in town to eat. But then if Mondo Burger shows up across the street... Anybody know Dude Burger or Good Burger? Yeah, my kid's raising their hand. But if Mondo Burger shows up and starts making burgers, now all of a sudden there's competition and there's opposition to their business model. And they try a little bit harder. They make better food. They have better service. And the kingdom of God is a little bit that way as well, that when there's opposition, we have to lean into the spirit a little bit more. We have to pray a little harder. We have to dig in. There's a battle going on. Look at the uh, church in the book of Acts. They were persecuted, they were oppressed, and the church expanded, and it blew up, and God just grew it by the thousands. The church in China, if you followed that at all, you know, you can get in big trouble for being a Christian in China. You can get thrown in jail. And yet the church goes underground, and it expands, and the kingdom moves, even in the face of opposition. So it's not always a bad thing, even though we don't really enjoy it. I don't like that there's evil in the world. I don't like that there's a kingdom of darkness working against us. It's quite annoying, in fact. I preached on spiritual warfare last week and talked about the two kingdoms. And I swear that this last week, we had twice as much spiritual attack. It's like just because we talked about it, there was more attack. And I can't get into all the specifics, but I had a number of you share things with me. And I'm like, okay, Satan's working again. And you may say, well, I don't know, what, what, the spiritual stuff, it sounds like, you know, how do you know when Satan's attacking? Well, I, I can give you three pretty easy ways to tell. Three Ds. The first one is deception. Jesus said, Satan is a liar and the father of lies. So if you're feeling lies, you're hearing all these lies, you're like, that's Satan attacking you. Easy one. The second one is discouragement. If you feel super discouraged, It's not because Jesus wants you to feel that way. It's because we're believing lies or we're thinking there's no hope. We're buying into some untruth. And I was feeling a lot of discouragement this week. The third one is distraction. Take your eyes off of Jesus. Start focusing on all the wrong things. That's an attack of the devil. Okay, so three Ds. Very simple. Deception, discouragement, distraction. And again, none of us like the fact that evil is present in the world and that Satan is working, but it's a reality that we have to understand if we want to know why is evil persist in the world and, and what's God up to with this kingdom. So let's talk about two more characters in this story of the parable, the weeds among the wheat. Now there are different interpretations of this text, and I know I've heard some of them before. People say, well, the wheat is the, the church and the weeds are the people in the church who don't know Jesus like in a congregation like this. And I've heard that interpretation before, and it's actually true. There are people in every church that don't know Jesus, but that's not what Jesus is talking about in this parable because the church didn't exist yet. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that in a minute. 
But just for a minute, there are people in every church who don't know Jesus. They're close in proximity. They've been around Jesus. They maybe have heard some things, heard the gospel, know some Christians, do some ministry, and even serve. But there are people who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. And that's what he wants. Above everything else, God wants a relationship with each of us. And how do I know this to be true? Look at Matthew 7. This is what Jesus said. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And did we not drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And so Jesus' message is, it doesn't matter how much ministry you do. It doesn't matter how much you know or how good of a person you are. If you don't have a relationship with me, if I don't know you, then you have no part in me. And so it is true that there are people in every church who don't yet know Jesus. I hope that's a small percentage, and, and I hope that, that if there are people here today who don't have a relationship with Jesus, man, you don't leave here without knowing him. That's what he desires for each of us. However, in this story, Jesus is talking about the world. He's not talking about a church service. Again, the church hadn't been started yet, Verse 38, he says, the field is the world. So again, it goes back to why is there evil in the world? Why are there bad people doing bad things? And we talked about that. Why is the judgment delayed? Verse 29, he said, no, less than gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. And he says, basically, if you try to pull up the wheat too soon, or the weeds too soon, you're going to get the wheat as well because what happens is all the roots intertwine. They grow together in the soil and you can't just start pulling one up and leave the other. And so what is Jesus getting at here? Why is he telling his his people, don't pull up the the weeds now because we don't want to uproot the wheat? 2 Peter 3.9, I think, is the answer. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So Jesus is showing patience. He's saying it's not time to start pulling out the weeds. It's not time yet. There will be a time in the future, but it's not here yet. See, Jesus is allowing for more time for a greater harvest before the judgment. That's, that's what he's doing. He's saying there's a, com- there's a time coming, but it's not here yet. So these weeds in the story, um, did some research on this, and scholars believe that it's it's a plant called Darnell. And so I grew up on a farm. Maybe some of you have an agricultural background, and we're in North Dakota, right? So when these plants grow up organically, wheat and Darnell are very similar. And they grow up, and they look like grass at first. And you can't really tell the difference. But as they get taller and as they mature, you can start to see the difference. Uh, Go back one slide. So the one on the right is wheat. This is Darnell. Kind of similar, but kind of not. And the wheat is uniform, and you see the kernels, and everything is kind of put together. And the Darnell is just kind of like, I don't know, it just looks a little bit crooked, doesn't it? Go to the next slide. And you can see that, again, as they grow, very similar, and it can be hard. Maybe some people wouldn't even know really the difference. Then we go to the third slide. When wheat ripens, the heads bow down. 
But the tares or the darnel, the weeds, they stand tall. There's a spiritual significance there as well. That wheat, the people who know Jesus by faith, who worship him, bow down to him. The ones that don't stand erect. They reject him. So there's a spiritual implication and I love that. And so Jesus said, it's not time to start uprooting the weeds because there's more, we need more time. Jesus has a heart for more and more people to know him. The judgment will come. Jesus will take care of business. He will. He's guaranteed it. But it's not yet time. So I want to pause here for two questions of discussion. And if you're new with us, sometimes we just, we do this, we pause and we talk a little bit. And so we just get to share what's going on in our heart and our mind. So the first question is this. Why do you think people get impatient with Jesus for not removing evil from the world? What do you think? Why do you guys think people get impatient? Jesus hasn't cleaned house sooner. Because God uh, has to be a balance between good and evil, I feel. In my mind, he's got people get impatient with Jesus not because if Jesus isn't ready to, there has to be a balance. Does that make sense? Well, explain a little bit more. It does. I don't want to answer answer the question. I want someone else to answer it. So go ahead. I think sometimes we don't see God's purpose in why the evil is there. Like He uses evil for His plan. Yeah, we don't see the purpose in it. But God uses evil to glorify Himself, which is pretty awesome, really. That he's that powerful that he can use things that oppose him to make himself even more glorious. Yeah. I think also because I'm just tired of the fight all the time. Yeah. Amen, right? Tired of the fight. Who else is tired of fighting? Like it's it's like it's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, and I think so we're like, Jesus, come on. Jesus, come on, take care of business. Like, I'm tired of being in the battle. But Jesus' heart is for more people to know him. And he gets to decide when the end is, is come, right? So the second question is this. In what ways does your heart reflect God's heart for those that don't yet know him? Or in what ways does it not? That's kind of a long question. But. I don't think we have the love for people who is the you don't think we have the love for people, for evildoers that God does? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, God has love for people that do evil even, and we might not. We might just want to smack them. Get rid of them, right? And Jesus says, no, I, I died for them. Yeah, so. Yeah. It's hard to fathom that he has the same love for every person he's created. Yeah. It's pretty big stuff. So let's, let's talk about the final harvest, okay? At the end of the parable, Jesus, who is the sower, he says that 
uh, to, the, to the reapers, who are the angels. He says, gather the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. And so there are two very different outcomes for the wheat and for the weeds. These are, these are different groups of people. And so there's a seriousness to this parable. Jesus is saying, this isn't, don't play around. Like there's an end coming to all of this and there's going to be wheat who are the true believers who know me by faith. They will be gathered up and put into my barn, which represents eternity. They're gonna spend eternity with me, Jesus said. But the evildoers, those who reject me, those are the weeds. They're gonna be gathered up and they're gonna be put in the fire to be burned. There's gonna be anguish. Jesus didn't mince words. He said, there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a severity to this parable. He says, you need to know what is coming. There is a final judgment. Now, for people who put their faith and trust in Jesus, we know that there's victory. Jesus overcame sin and death. He lived the perfect life, and he went to the cross, and he laid down his life. He didn't, wasn't punished for his sins. He was punished for our sins. See, that's how Satan wins, is he tempts, he lies, and he gets us to buy into his lie, and then when we sin, he's got power, he's got control. Jesus never sinned. Jesus never took the bait. He couldn't get Jesus. Jesus defeated him, and he rose back to life. On the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. I did it. I won the victory. And so the ultimate victory is Jesus's. We know that. We still battle in this life, don't we? We still face the forces of darkness. And so it's good news for us to know Jesus by faith. And again, those who are putting their faith and their trust in His finished work, not in our own, not in our own righteousness, but in Jesus's, they're the wheat. And the weeds are gathered to be burned at the final judgment. Those who reject Jesus. Now, I've heard people say, well, How could a God of love, if your God is so loving, how could he forever punish people and put them in anguish and torment? I said, well, that's a fair question. But before I answer that question, answer this question. How could anyone reject the free offer of salvation from a God who loves them and a God who did all the work to redeem them from their sin? I think that's a better question to ask. How could anyone turn down the offer of eternal life? Forgiveness, peace with the God who loves them. I think that's what it boils down to. We literally have to do nothing but believe in what Jesus has done for us. Trust in his finished work on the cross. It doesn't get any easier. We don't have to work up our own righteousness. We accept Jesus' righteousness. It'd be like getting bit by a snake, a poisonous snake, and you're dying. And you're about to die. And your friend comes to you and says, hey, I have this antivenom that if you take this, I'll give it to you. No cost. It's yours. Just take it and you'll live. We say, ah, no thanks. That's good for you, but I'm good. And then to get mad at the friend for, for dying, right? Like we have a choice to make. Every person has the offer of Jesus to say, come be a part of my kingdom. Be a part of my family. The offer is for all. And again, it's not about our works. It's not about how many miracles we did or how many demons we cast out or how many good things, how much serving. It's about, do you know me, Jesus says? Do you know me by faith? 
Jesus has done all the work, and again, all we have to do is receive it by faith. So two more questions for discussion before we close, and this, the first one is this. How does the thought of the final harvest or judgment make you feel? Just be honest. Like, we start talking about the end and judgment and the harvest. How are you guys feeling about this this morning? What? Impatient. Impatient? Why? I just want the tough times to be done and over with. just want to be with Jesus where I belong. Just want to be with Jesus. There's not a bad, it's not a bad thing to want to be with Jesus, right? What else? Any other? Yeah, mixed bag. She said some of her family doesn't believe. And so you kind of have the joy maybe of, of, of longing for being with Jesus, but then also this, this heart of like compassion for those that don't know him, right? Yeah. Anyone else? Anyone have fear of the judgment? Do you know that Jesus doesn't want us to feel fear about it? We don't have to feel fear. We know him by faith. We don't have to be afraid of the judgment. I I was brought up, I think I was brought up to be afraid. Like, you better be scared, you know. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is good news. Life in the kingdom is good news for us. We don't have to be afraid. Second question is this. Is it easy to tell who the wheat and the weeds are? Is it easy for us to look around and say, oh, wheat, weeds? No way. No way. Anyone else want to elaborate on that? Why or why not? You can't really tell just because the guy that was crucified next to him could have been a weed his whole life and he would be the way That's a great example. The guy who was crucified next to Jesus Probably everyone wrote him off. He's, he's a scumbag. He's being crucified for his sins. And yet, he turns to wheat right at the very end. Isn't that cool? That's the power of the gospel. Transforms us, changes us. See, life in the kingdom is not easy, but it's good. It's good news for us. We get to live with Jesus forever. And we live in the tension. I know I spoke about this in the beginning of the series. It's the tension of the already and the not yet. We get to live in this family right now. We get to experience the joy of Jesus today. But all we look forward to the future. When Jesus will lock up Satan once for all and he will put it away and he will say no more. There's no more sickness. There's no more tears. There's no more pain. There's no more evildoers. It's done. And he will lock him up. And Jesus will reign and rule over the new creation, new heaven, new earth. A lot to look forward to. That's the good news of the kingdom. But we still wrestle in this life with the questions of why does evil persist? And you'll probably get asked that. If people know you're, you're a Christian, well, why do bad things happen to good people? The answer is because there's kingdoms at war. There's a spiritual battle going on for the hearts and souls of people. And Jesus wants to allow more time for more people to know him, to be a part of his family. And I'm so glad that he's patient I hope I could be a little more patient, a little more, uh, showing a little more perseverance and, and just allowing uh, God to show mercy to more and more people. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus said it's in our midst. It's at hand. And so we get to live in the kingdom of God.
And I just got to ask you this morning, if you're here, and you're saying, well, you're talking about the kingdom and the wheat and the weeds, and I'm really not sure where I'm at. Jesus wants you to be confident, to live without fear of judgment, about, uh, without fear of the end. And so if you don't know where you're at with Jesus, let's talk about that. Let's have a conversation. Maybe today is a day where you just want to take a next step of faith. You say, I, I just want to talk about something that's been going on in my life, or I've been struggling with this. Man, I'd love to pray with you after the service. Or maybe today it's the day of saying, hey, I'm going to be baptized. We've got baptisms coming up in a few weeks. Don't ask me what day it is. That's Jana. <laughs> but, but we have baptisms coming up. Maybe you want to just kind of put a stake in the ground and say, I'm with Jesus. I'm, on, I'm in the kingdom. I'm in the family. We get to live this kingdom life, guys, as a foretaste of what is to come. We get to give a reflection to the people around us of what God is like and what a relationship with him is like. So we get to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit and show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm so glad that we know Jesus. He's enough. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the reality of the kingdom and Jesus for you teaching us what it is teaching us what it looks like and how to experience it and how to live in it. Jesus, we thank you that you have defeated our enemy, our spiritual enemy, the devil. He he has no power over you. And God, even though we face struggles in this life, we we face discouragement and lies and we face distractions and, and attacks, we know that you have the victory and we stand firm rooted in you, Jesus. And we push back on the kingdom of darkness. We long to see more people set free from their sin. Because that's your heart, Jesus. That's why you came to seek and to save the lost. So the healthy people don't need a physician. The sick do. Those who realize their need for you. Lord, thank you for the kingdom and thank you for the reality that we experience it just in small doses now. But we will one day be with you for eternity. And as much as we long for that, Lord, let our hearts still beat for those who don't yet know you. Let our heart be broken for people who need you. As you wept, it's like sheep without a shepherd. You wept for them. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace, for your love, for the assurance of salvation, and for victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we close in song? Josh left us with a few takeaways from today's service. If the kingdom of God has arrived, why has it not triumphed over evil more clearly? If Jesus is the one announcing it, why is there not more of a positive response? The presence of evil. There are two kingdoms at war with each other, and the battle is still going on. The kingdom of God expands, even under opposition. Satan attacks us by deceiving. He is the father of lies. He's discouraging, making you feel defeated or worthless. And he distracts, getting you to take your eyes off Jesus and to look to other things. Weeds amongst the wheat. Jesus says, 
It doesn't matter how good you are, how many good things you do. I want you to know me. Jesus is allowing more time for a greater harvest before the judgment. The final harvest. Jesus says, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. There are two different outcomes for weeds and the wheat. Discussion questions. Why do you think people get impatient with Jesus for not removing evil from the world? Does your heart reflect the heart of God for more people to come to know him? What might need to change for your heart and attitude to reflect Jesus to those who don't know him yet? How does the thought of the final harvest or judgment make you feel? Is it easy to tell who are the wheat and who are the weeds? Why or why not? Thanks again for listening, Missio family, and we'll see you again next week.